Another week has gone by. Here we are in October. Everybody's finally playing this upcoming week. And hi, I'm Yogi Roth. This is the Ted and Yogi Pac-12 Adventure, joined by Ted Robinson, partner, friend, family, same as our producer, Michael Molinari. Fellas, we're coming off an epic weekend, Arizona State. What a win. What a finish against the Cougs of Washington State. I hope you've had time to decompress and relax to gear up for this podcast. <laughs> hey, you know, this past weekend was fascinating, you know, Michael, because you know I've been railing about blowouts. And we had two of them in the pack this past weekend. And, and I'm wondering, though, if one of them may not be so bad. If anybody's going to blow a team out for the betterment of the conference, maybe it's okay that Oregon did it on a Friday night national stage since uh, despite the best efforts of many people around the country, they only have one loss, and they're still in the, in the race, I think, to grab the one remaining CFP spot. Because as Michael knows, Georgia, Clemson, and Alabama have clinched three of the spots unless they lose three games each. Right, Michael? I think that's right. And I, I <laughs> back to the close games, uh, fourth week in a row for yeah. myself and our crew that we've had a game decided in the last two and a half minutes of the fourth quarter. I mean, that's an incredible, incredible run. And it just seems to get more and more exciting each week. Yeah, it was uh, it was fun. So let's kick that off. So the reminder, because we have doubled our audience officially every single week. So thank you for sharing, subscribing, most importantly, rating and reviewing, because that actually bumps up the algorithm in the weird world of podcasting. So continue to kick it out to your friends. Molinari, keep retweeting it. We all appreciate that. Uh, that being said, we go with four downs, four topics, then we give your your humanity moment of the week from Michael to close the thing off. So I want to start it off on first down and talk about the Herm train and Jaden Daniels. This is a true freshman. He's only played in six games, and all he's done is lead three comebacks to win the games in the fourth quarters. Ted, I'm curious for you. When we saw him for the first time against Colorado a couple weeks ago now, could you tell that this guy had the poise necessary to continue to make comeback after comeback? No, not really, Yogi. I would be, I'd be lying if I said yeah, especially in that fourth quarter. Uh, in that game, you're talking about Montez, who's a fifth-year guy at Colorado, has played a lot of football, looked to be the more experienced, more poised guy. But then to watch Daniels do it at Berkeley in the fourth quarter against that defense, and then to do it this past Saturday, I mean, the guy's played six games, six games, and he's had three fourth-quarter game-winning field drives. <laughs> that's that's mind-bending. And uh, to me, it's I, – I think – I am huge double thumbs up on Arizona State. I think that is a stock you buy now because it's only going to go higher. And the reason is what I just said there. Don't you think, Yog, from playing? When you win close games, that is contagious. And Herm has done it. He did it last year. He's done it this year. And now he's doing it with a first-time quarterback. I mean, that, to me, is going to really ramp up their chance of winning the South. Yeah, I mean, losing Nikhil Harry, you know, arguably the best offensive player last year in the Pac-12, you would have been like, okay, it'd be hard to replace, let alone Manny Wilkins, who'd been there forever. And here they come replacing both of them, to your point on Jaden Daniels. I, I just love how confident he is. And I go back to Herm Edwards. You know, we've met with him a bunch now. We've been there for spring football. We've got to know him well. And I go to my favorite thing about him is he says, he says after every meeting he has with a player, he and his staff, their only job is to make sure that that player walks out of the meeting with hope. And for young players, and being there in the spring to give a little background, usually when young guys get there, you throw the whole playbook at them, and you show everybody how smart you are as a coach. And every quarterback, they always say, well, he's just coming along. They didn't do that. 
You know, Rob Likens, Herm Edwards, their office coordinator and head coach said, let's just give him plays he knows. And let's just see him at his best every day in practice versus have to like take a massive hit and say, man, my learning curve is crazy. My confidence is down. And I just think that strategy, I never really heard about it at the quarterback position. You know, sometimes you do that with skill guys, give the receiver three routes, give the running back three plays. But to do that with the quarterback every day in spring and say, here's three plays. Hey, maybe here's one more. Hey, let's just hold off and just run four plays. That's it. Every day, I don't think, and we're going to ask him this week on Inside Pac-12 Football and gearing up for our game, but I don't, I'd be shocked if his confidence ever took a hit. And I'm curious, Michael, for you, you've got all the screens and monitors in front of you from the truck. Like, did you ever notice him flinch at all? Because we've seen him now in two games and two critical moments in games. I have not, again, we talk about being able to look in the eyes and looking in his eyes with our cameras, the, the card shot that's always on him. Never seen him flinch. And, you know, I'm sure it helps your confidence. Fourth, 13, fourth and 13 against Michigan State makes the right play, gets that drive continuing to go. They end up scoring the game-winning touchdown. And then the brilliant decision against Washington State, same type of thing. The field, you look at it, the all-22, the camera that shoots all the players on the field, and that just completely opened up. And he made the right decision and helicoptered in the end zone. So I think it helps your confidence when your two biggest decisions have been the right ones in crucial situations. Hey, and Yoke, what's what's it say to you? Because the, the the drive we saw this past Saturday, Jaden Daniels, he he scored the touchdown with his legs, but the rest of the drive he threw. But he did the checkdowns to Benjamin. How many of those? And to me, that was. I look at that as a little bit of poise, saying, "All right, the guy didn't just bust and scramble and run around." And try to do something crazy. He took a, a safe when the where wherever he was supposed to go with the ball, the first or second time was shut down. He took the safe check down to a really good player. Am I misreading that, or is that a, is that a good read? No, you, you nailed it. And I was just watching it with our producer Peter Gerson. We went back and watched the last drive, and you know the numbers are always there in the NFL. You know, you look at like Aaron Rodgers, Drew Brees. I want to say something like sixty percent of their throws are usually checkdowns. Right. But you don't see it usually for young guys. I mean, how many games have we seen end? You know, you could look at Anthony Gordon against UCLA, sack, cause, fumble, right? Any big game, it always kind of happens, right? The quarterback just gets sacked and that's the end of it. This guy's always moving back towards the line of scrimmage and it's like his eyes are downfield. Oh, they're going to drop eight or even more. Okay, cool. Check it down on my back. Check it down on my back. And th- that to me is innate, uh, but it's also coached and harped upon. And in terms of not trying to do too much. And I think, again, I go back to Herm and and this Herm train. You know, he had the infamous press conference, but his management of players and making sure they don't have to elevate themselves in big moments, but just show up as themselves in big moments to me is it's beautiful. And and I'm curious for, for both of you guys. You've been around this conference for a long time. Do you think the Herm model is going to be one that we see replicated, whether it's in this conference when openings happen or around the country? I don't think it'll be, yeah, I don't think it'll be replicated easily because Herm is such a special persona and a unique situation. So I think everyone would love to try to replicate it, but I'm not sure there's too many Herm Edwards out there that could make this thing work the way it is. And I think, uh, I think the model will be, not everybody can try the model either because it takes a significant investment, financial investment, and that's what Arizona State has done. Uh, and and Michael's right. There's Herm Edwards is unique. That, that you can't do. I think the model somebody else will try. And the model I'm referencing is I sat there Friday um, 
under the shade for those of you who are sun conscious, but watch that walkthrough. And I sat there and I said, I just watched 10 years of those. That was an NFL day before walkthrough. Um, pr crisp, precise, just formations and plays, not a lot of time. Obviously, they were out there 90 degrees sun, so you're not trying to kill your guys anyway. But I sat there, That's and it was the first time I had seen this uh, day before walkthrough for Herm Edwards, guys. And I I just thought, to me, that was that was brilliant. I said, that's exactly what you want. Treat these men, who all want to be professional players, basically. Treat them like pros. Uh, and the results so far, I think the results have been great. I think the model, real. what do you think? I think the model, somebody else is going to try to pull this off in this league. Oh, I love it. I mean, you can kind of look at Mac Brown to a certain degree on the other coast at North Carolina. You know, wasn't an NFL guy, but been around for a long time. I, I wonder about Marvin Lewis, right? Is he, he's at Arizona State now, right? And we've shown him how many times on television, but is there a world where he's like, college, college is pretty cool. You know, this is pretty fun. Like I can go manage this thing. You know, this is a guy who had a ton of success. You know, he gets criticized for the, you know, whatever playoff record, but I think they were there the majority of the years he was in Cincinnati. They're so doing, they're doing pretty well without him right now, aren't they? <laughs> well said, well said. So yeah, I, I, I really like it. And I think Herm, you know, I, I think the one thing that he says and, and the only, you know, the only comp I can have is the one I live. But, you know, when I left coaching, granted, I was at the much lower level, dramatically lower level than Herm Edwards. But then you go into broadcasting, you're so in-depth with so many programs. And over my last decade plus, I know way more football than I did when I was just in one program. So you, you have an idea of how people do it and how you can win. So I wonder if there's somebody even in the media now where they're like, yeah, you know, Steve Kerr model, Herm Edwards, like they're. That that's proven to work if it's the right guy. And but and so Yogi, you just touched on something perfect. Talk about this because you coached for Pete Carroll at USC, and Pete's whole experience had been pro football. He didn't have any college coaching experience, maybe way way back, but he had been an assistant coach and head coach for long times in the NFL. Do you see any comp between the model you worked with under Pete and what Herm's doing here? Oh, yeah. Yeah. I, and I think Pete would always say he enjoyed college so much because he got to draft 25 first rounders every year. <laughs> right. Yeah. I mean, it was just different yeah. than when you get in the league. And I, I do think that. And, and I think there's something different when NFL guys come to college because we know college. I like get the pomp circumstance. It, it's it's amazing. But when NFL guys come, the ones that embrace that thrive because they also don't feel as though it's as heavy as the NFL. I mean, Ted, you know, the pressure in the NFL is so intense. And if you haven't been around it, you just don't, you don't know. And in college, when I, I watched Dave Wanstead do it at Pitt. He, he thrived when he was there. I saw Pete come in, obviously at SC and, you know, Herm, the same deal. You come and you're like, okay, I need to motivate. I need to guide these guys emotionally. Let, let me mentor them. And, and I know football so well that I could put my coaches and empower them to do well. Cause there aren't many coaches in the NFL that I know of that are, that are older that are still calling plays, right? Like I think it's Andy Reid in terms of the guys that have been around. Like I get Shanahan and, you know, here in L.A. Um, with the Rams. But overall, like you're managing, you're guiding a culture and organization. You're the true CEO. So I do think that it can thrive in college. Yeah, and, and so, Michael, take this. So I think what Herm Edwards is starting, and it's not just Marvin Lewis, as you mentioned, Kevin Mawai, who's in the Pro Football Hall of Fame, for goodness sakes, on the ASU staff. I think Herm, over the next few years, will be a magnet, as Saban has is. You know, Saban's 10 years ahead. He's been doing it in Alabama. But all of these coaches with great pedigree that are out for whatever reason end up going to Alabama. And Saban has enough resources, which is the key word, to give him an office and give him a terminal and let him come out there and watch. 
Uh, I think Herm could be that kind of magnet in the Pac-12. I think he is. He treats people fairly with respect and class, as we've said before. And I think that's people are definitely without question attracted to that. And I think with some everybody, not everybody, but most said this was not going to work. And right now they're on top of the South and looking great. So I think it's something you know people what? will copy. Michael, can I commend you? I think it is brilliant that you have secured our position as the official television crew of the Sun Devils. Yes. Good timing. I, I, it is great timing this year, isn't it? <laughs> that's, that's perfect segue, Ted. Per usual, that's what you got, man. Uh, let's go to second down, right? So everybody's playing this weekend in the pack. So Thursday night, UCLA-Stanford. Anytime Chip Kelly-David Shaw compete against one another, I think it's must-see television. We got Cal-Oregon State will be an interesting game. The offense of Oregon State bouncing back. Can they against Cal? Justin Wilcox coming off a bye. We've got a great one in Oregon, UW. The you know the the North and the CFP balance kind of hangs in the Ducks' wings on the road. Our game, which I'm going to get back to here in a second, Arizona State, Utah, Colorado, Washington State, which is a critical game for both of those teams, and Arizona SC in the nightcap, Khalil Tate coming home. So curious about our game. You know we got Utah, Arizona State. This is awesome. When you're talking about two top twenty teams. Ted, I'm curious for you, for Utah, what are you most excited about to get there? It's going to be another sellout, and the atmosphere will be as good as you can find in the country. Well, and I'm fi- I'm excited because it's my first time to see Utah live. I guess you were there for a game, you know, but it's the first time I've seen them live. So with the obvious tenets that we always talk about with Utah is their line play. So what, what does that mean? We know firsthand from ASU, right from the sources, that their defensive line isn't the strength of their team right now. And Utah generally has a pretty good offensive line. So how does Arizona State try to offset that and not have that be a lopsided advantage for Utah? I'm also interested to see Huntley because we've talked a lot about, you know, there isn't, there aren't a ton of experienced quarterbacks in the league this year. Montez, Herbert, who also we haven't seen live yet. Uh, And now Khalil Tate. Khalil Tate started a decent number of games. Uh, But here's Huntley. Huntley's a guy who kind of quietly has a nice resume behind him. And so I'm interested to see Huntley in person and to see him work against an Arizona State defense that does tell you they think their strength is on the back end. And they tried to they tried to show it in numbers against Washington State. And they well, they hung in there. They hung in there well enough to win. All right. So, Michael, I got a question here. Here we are in this game. We've got storylines for days, right? Ted just referenced the front, so we could talk about that back end. We got, I think, a Heisman-worthy quarterback. We got freshman of the year. How, how do you manage us, the game, the crew, the camera operators, to make sure we're not trying to tell every story within the first 30 seconds of the game? Well, I think that's, uh, for people that don't know, you and I obviously don't just go on the air without talking. We have a conversation pretty much all week about, what do you think about this? Bounce ideas off, bounce ideas off Ted. I've got the graphics team, the tape team, the draw team, the people back in San Francisco. So there's a lot of people bouncing ideas off all week. But I think in this one, normally a lot of times you talk team A, team B. But to me, this and to us, probably the biggest story in this game is Tyler Huntley might be the most underrated quarterback in this conference, if not the nation. He's not thrown a t- he has not thrown an interception all year. In fact, the last interception he threw was against ASU last year, two of them, a game he got knocked out of the game, broke his collarbone, didn't play the rest of the year. So I'm sure he's He's circled this game on his calendar. But to me, instead of Utah-ISU, I think it's about the matchups. 
I mean, I'm in, I am so intrigued and we'll have uh, the camera called the pit and the pit is a tight shot of the offensive and defensive line. And when ASU is on offense, you're going to have a 17 year old true freshman, Ladarius Henderson matched up against probably the best end in this conference, maybe the country, Bradley and I, and that's going to be fascinating to keep our eye on. So me, that's a huge storyline that the average fan probably doesn't know about. And then I think Jalen Johnson up against Brandon Ayuk, that's going to be an incredible cornerback receiver. Who's going to win that? Last week, Jalen Johnson and company definitely won the battle against Isaiah Hodgkins because he is one of the best receivers in this conference, but they pretty much bottled him up. So are Jalen Johnson and the Utah back end going to be able to contain Ayuk? I mean, those are stories that don't jump out at you, but those are stories that I think are to decide the game. So we need to make sure we keep our eye on those. And then, oh, by the way, Zach Moss, 55 yards away from setting the all-time rushing record at Utah. And that's like the fifth story. <laughs> yeah. 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 There's so many. And we're doing a feature right now on Francis Bernard, who just got married over the weekend. Uh, their bye weekend, so two weeks ago. Uh, we showed it in our game in our social media roundup. Britton Covey got engaged. Uh, and Francis Bernard's story, I want to check that out on our stories on the Pac 12 Networks. It's fascinating. They had a premature birth of his son, um, just got married. It's going to make you cry. It's going to make you feel good about yourself. And, and I, f- I really feel like in this game, you know, I've never called an NFL game or the college football playoff. But I feel like this is like that because the NFL, like everybody in the world knows storylines about two NFL teams because there's just only so many guys on a roster and so many stories. And in the college football playoff, like I feel like you know Alabama Clemson storylines just because you follow college football. And I feel like this is one of the games where if you didn't take pride in your craft, you can kind of do a layup because there's so many storylines that you want to talk about. And I think that's the fun thing for us to take people inside is that, A, we don't just take layups, but we you know, ask how and why on everything, right? So, okay, we're going to talk about Bradley and I, Ladarius Henderson. Well, it's not just freshman versus senior All-American. I mean, we had a chance to go and talk to John Kitna, who coached Ladarius Henderson in high school. And what he said, Michael, I thought it was amazing. He said, look, this guy is coachable, tenacious, resilient, athletic, a grinder. I'm not going to bore everybody with everything he said, but he said, quote, we'll be a first-round draft pick someday if he's healthy. One of the greatest young men I've been around, and I've coached many great young man. He's a real man. And I, I say that because there's so many layers underneath the helmet to these kids and these storylines. You know, you reference Zach Moss, you know, what is it, 55 yards away from being the all-time rusher. That is awesome. I think what's even cooler is that he came back to get his degree and to leave a legacy with the other two from Hallandale High School and Tyler Huntley and Damari Simpkins. So so that's what I love about our network is like we're around these guys. We live it. We breathe it. And I thankfully Saturday, you know, all of us get to tell it. We're so close to these stories. We know them so well. We have to remember, especially in a game like this, where there's viewers that they're going to find the Pac-12 network and they may not have found the Pac-12 network in the past, but two ranked teams going at it. There's going to be viewers coming in that aren't as familiar with these stories as we are, and we need to make sure we bring them in without insulting the audience that knows about the stories already. So it's kind of advancing them. Um, you know, for instance, Bernard, hopefully we'll show his, he just got married, we'll show his wife and his child, the story you just referenced, and how can we advance that story? Because there's people that know it, and there's people that are new to it. So I think that's always the challenge, especially as the game gets to be a more high-profile high game, how do you 
bring in, bring these stories to people that don't know them without insulting the people that do. Yeah, that, that's really well said. Um, so speaking of insulting, uh, I think it's absolutely insulting that Tyler Huntley is not being talked about in the same conversation as some of the other top quarterbacks in the country. I think this is his weekend to jump into that. So just for some numbers, if you're a football nerd, right, Tyler Huntley's completion percentage is better than Jalen Hurts, Tua Tonga-Vailoa, Justin Fields. Just throwing it out there. He has yet to throw a pick. As you referenced, Joe Burrow's thrown three. You know, And granted, he isn't in these wide-open offenses like LSU or Alabama and even Oklahoma, Ohio State. They all do their thing. To me, what's so impressive watching him is that his eyes always go to where they're supposed to go. You know, And he's not asked to just manage the game. They're just not asking their team to run 80 plays per game. They have one of the best running backs in the country who's going to be an early draft pick. They have an offensive line that is physical and an elite defense. So it's kind of we get a lead in a tight game. We can alter our scheme to win. And I hope uh, it will be in our game. We'll talk about it. But I hope they start and he starts to get the recognition around, you know, really how much he's improved over the course of his career since he got in Salt Lake City. I mean, I remember last year, what was the storyline for Utah? Receivers dropping passes. Mm. And he stuck, you never saw the body language from him that he was upset with that. Every time we had a chance to speak with him, it was never an excuse that guys are dropping passes. But that was a major problem with them last year. And he stuck with those guys. And that has not been a problem at all this year. So it's, it's great to see somebody that sticks with it through adversity, portal, and uh, <laughs> nice to see. Yeah, I know Ted Ted loved that reference. Ted had to jump off. He's in Florida visiting his mom, which we love, the family element. He'll be flying back. Can't wait to call this one with him. Um, so let's go to our uh, third down here. Uh, you know, we talked about Arizona State. We talked about our game, obviously. Um, to me, uh, the South. You know, there's four teams that are two and one. Four teams. You know, so many of these teams control their own destiny. What what storyline has surprised you among the teams in contention for the South? And you can't say Arizona State because we've been loving them up the entire show. I was, I would say that, I mean, say what you want about USC. They have won three games with three different quarterbacks and the microscope that they're under and the scrutiny for someone who lives in LA that I've seen the last month and a half. The fact that they're still in it says something about Clay and the kids on that team. And I, I think that's I think that's a story that people uh haven't haven't really focused on because it's all about negativity. But what how about the adversity how the adversity they've overcome? They were in the game, they had a chance against Notre Dame. So I just like to see I want to see how they finish. I think that's that's what interests me. How is USC gonna finish the the rest of the way? Yeah, I, I think they're going to come out this weekend. And Khalil is so hard to defend. We saw it with the UW game over the weekend. You know, he kept them in it at times. But I think they're going to come out and play their best football. And I think the Oregon game is going to be huge for a bunch of reasons when they get them at home at the Coliseum. But I'm with you. I think SC, with all the negativity around it, all of the armchair experts, they've they've kind of weathered the storm, you know, Injuries are their best players in the worst of moments. And you know, I just watched the Notre Dame game back, and Keaton Slovis looks real at times, and he looks like a freshman at times. And I couldn't help but think if Jaden, uh, excuse me, if JT Daniels was playing quarterback for them, a guy who's experienced, you know, maybe 
it's a different play here and there on a third down or whatever. It's just just the natural element of playing ball. So I'm with you. Uh, I like the trajectory of them. Um, okay, so real quick before we get to the humanity moment, our fourth down is a huge game, a huge rivalry. Um, we circled this one collectively as a Pac-12 fan base and people in the business as the game. The Ducks going to Seattle, the Husky Stadium, Justin Herbert, Jacob Eason, they, they pretty much look the same other than their facial features. They, they, they're built the same. They got the same similar hair. They throw it the same. I'm, I'm curious for you, what are you most anticipating in this game? Well, you know, we circled it. We said, boy, I wonder how the dominant Oregon defense is going to hold up and, and dominate this game, right? Isn't that what we said at the beginning of the year? Yeah. Um, no, I don't think so. I think it was exactly. it was Herbert and Herbert and the dominant Washington defense, right? But Oregon's defense is right now the best defense in the country and been absolutely dominating. And I think that's I think that's the story. And can can Eason and company make a dent in Oregon's defense? Because I think you know Herbert's going to score the points. But and maybe not as maybe not as dominant offensively as we thought at the beginning. But the defense is what has Oregon dominating this conference right now, and we'll see what we'll see what the Washington defense has to say about that. That's my that's my storyline. Yeah, it's going to be fun. And look, the way the season goes, injuries happen. But bummer to see Jacob Breeland done for the year, right? Cam McCormick, the tight ends. I mean, they're, they're just. That that positions took took a hit for the Ducks. The granted they get some receivers back. Javon Holland it sounds like he's going to be good. Obviously C.J. Verdell was rolling last weekend. Um, I think you're right. And, and the defensive side, to me, Andy Avalos, he's get he gets your coordinator of the year. You know, I think it's the Frank Broyles Award. Like he's got to be a finalist for that uh, in terms of being one of the top assistants in the country. I think in this conference, I look at he and Andy Ludwig right now, and I think you got to love up Rob Likens with what he's done with a true freshman quarterback in terms of coordinator of the year if that award existed. But to to replace the coordinator he replaced, Jim Levitt, when he replaced him, which was a week before spring ball, and then have this team playing the way they are and to watch them last weekend compete, they, they just shut down one of the most formidable passing attacks. Frustrated, I thought, at times, LaVisca Chanel watching that game just on television. Uh, I can't wait. And they won the game last year. And I'm a fan of it's on the field. you know. So to me, they have the edge. You know, they, they, It's not going to be easy. They got to go there. But Washington, you know, their truths are their truths. You know, like I think sometimes we want to assume teams are different based on historicals and their coach, et cetera, but their truths are what they are. You know, they're playing young guys on the defensive side and offensively, at times they look special, at times they've struggled. So to me, the key guy in this game, a key guy to watch will be Puka Nakua, who got an elevated role in the passing game a week ago against Arizona. Uh, it's a huge game. The, the corners have been tested last week, but they'll be tested again because the offensive line of Washington is, is much better, in my opinion, than the offensive line of Colorado. So if Eason gets time, what, what does he do? So I, I think we've got a classic, similar to last year, back, forth, back, forth. We'll see if it comes down to a kick. Um, all right, so that being said, we're, we're running up against it, but this is uh, one of our favorite moments of the week on this podcast. It's the humanity moment of the week from Michael Molinari, our producer. Michael, you put a ton of time into this. Where are you taking us in this week's episode? Well, one of the questions I always get asked as the producer when I say I'm the producer of the show, one is, what do you do? Um, and that, that's, uh, that's a, a, a discussion for a different time. But the other question is, who do you want to win? 
And I always say this, always, I want the home team to win in the final moments of the game. And that's exactly what we we received this week. Jaden Daniels helicoptering into the end zone with 30 seconds left in the game um, to put his team up. Um, and then, But the humanity side is the other side of that, which is ASU has a chance for the field goal, which sends us to overtime, which sends some folks calling the airlines to uh, reschedule their flights, not thinking that uh, we were, the game was going to take four hours. So my humanity moment was the joy of um, certain people who were very excited when uh, Jaden flew into the end zone to put Arizona State up rather than them kicking the field goal to send it to overtime. So that was my little uh, my little inside moment. Uh, and I was happy for the people that got away. And uh, you and I had plenty of time because we're smart travelers. So, Yogi, we, we didn't sweat it one bit. We could add nine overtimes when we were fine. So that's my that's my little my little moment in the truck for folks. I love that. You know, I'm sure Ted does the same, but I hear it after every game from fans, and it's always the team who loses. You're so one sided, total bias. So you know, you think of that, and you hear that, you know, whether it's on social media or whatever. And I'm like, was I biased towards one team or the other? And then I start thinking about all the moments where you love up both teams, and then I'm like, you know what? That's the beautiful part. That's what makes the sport human is that you can be so overdramatic about your team, which is why we have jobs and why we love the craft. Or you can be overdramatic about, uh, you know, so, so many things within sport. But I, I love to, I love what you just did in taking people inside the truck about what people truly want. You want a great game, the home team to win and not miss your flight. And uh, that's very well said. <laughs> no doubt your passion for your team influences your perception. Yeah. That's what I would say. I love it. Okay, so uh, that does it from us. Ted's on a plane. Michael and I are here on the road, but we will shortly be on planes. I cannot wait to get to Utah, Salt Lake City, the must. Michael, we're going to have a great one on our hands, man. Can't wait to see you. Excited about a lot of new viewers that will be coming in to see our product. I think I'm really excited about that. Mm, well said well said okay well make sure you check out this product wherever you listen to podcasts if you missed episodes you want to nerd out go in the past go ahead check those out make sure you subscribe rate review wherever you listen to your podcast give michael ted myself a follow on social media it is in the show notes and the show goes on in a critical critical week for the pac-12 in college football thanks for listening Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.